Hi, in today's Life After Leadership podcast, I'm talking to Paul Marsh. Paul is the Managing Director of the MPC, the Packaging Experts and Swag Online. He is also an ambassador of the Knights Foundation and Basingstoke Colts Football Club. Paul and his team offer a consultative approach and always go the extra mile to create memorable and impactful brand merchandising with meaning for companies such as Merlin Entertainment, Reed, Twinings, Microsoft, Adobe, and HP. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Uh, what inspired you to start your business, and how has your vision changed since? So the inspiration to, to start my own business was always based off the fact that I'd spent a long time managing companies and businesses and divisions for other people uh, in all different parts you know I'd worked in sales and purchasing and operations both here and in the US um, and there were always things that I felt could be done better and it was always a case of certain things would be listened to and certain things wouldn't and the only way I was going to really get to I guess make my mark is to take control and be the one that makes the decisions and either lives or dies by them so that was what made me do it. It was a forced hand due to redundancy, but it was kind of a now or never decision at that time. My vision, how has my vision changed since I started the business? The, the interesting thing about that is that I didn't think it would be um, as big as it is now, but yet we're in a period of growth where it can only get bigger. So I guess we're victims of our own success. So my vision has to change definitely annually but probably every three to six months just because opportunities present themselves or needs present themselves on behalf of prospects and clients saying we need someone to do this and then we have to look and see is that something that we want to help with and if so what do we need to change in our workflow to be able to accommodate it definitely the biggest change since I started the business has been the amount of investment that we've put into innovation and optimizing workflows and things like that just to streamline what we do to save time and save money because I want good quality people here that add value in their role uh, I don't just want to fill the building full of bodies if that makes sense yeah when you started your first business did you think that you would move on to have multiple businesses was that part of the the plan yes and no I think if I was being completely honest at that time, it was daunting enough to set the one company up. You have all the challenges and, and they're mainly based on the fear of the unknown. So for me, my biggest fears setting up the business was dealing with the monster that's HMRC and doing my VAT returns and PAYE and all those sorts of things. But once you know how to do it, it's actually a piece of cake. You know, it's not, it's just, it's just purely fear of the unknown. So I have always had the sort of entrepreneurial spirit if you want to call it that even from a young age as a child you know working multiple jobs always wanting to be successful and try and earn more money or whatever the driver was at the time recently I took a course on uh, business acquisitions and mergers and things like that because that's the next as, as well as the organic growth that we're seeing throughout our own business I want to be able to add to the business or the group as it will become by adding complementary businesses so I needed some education in how that would be possible. Who within an organisation do you work with? So depending on the size of the organisation, it varies, but primarily it would be marketing managers, brand owners, HR managers, 
So people with the responsibility to sell the values of their company to an end user. Sometimes in smaller businesses, it might be the business owner. It could be somebody in a sales role because in smaller companies, sales and marketing are sometimes merged as are, you know, not all companies have HR roles. So it could be a secretary or PA or someone like that. So very diverse, very different depending on the size of the organization because we don't limit ourselves to saying that we're only going to deal with blue chips. We love working with startups and find that sometimes we have the fastest success rate with startups because they're so open to new things and innovation, whereas a lot of um, existing businesses have a structure in place that needs to be overcome. So one of your audiences is HR managers. So for HR managers, statistics from clickboarding suggest that 69% of employees are more likely to stay with a company for three years if they have um, a positive onboarding experience. How are you supporting HR managers to improve their employee and apprenticeship onboarding, as well as improving employee retention? So the the biggest shift that we've seen, certainly during the pandemic, is the success of remote onboarding. And obviously a big part of that is onboarding packs. And they take lots and lots of different uh, flavours. You know, you'll have some huge box projects that we do for the likes of Tesco's and Lloyd's Bank and people like that, which is uh, a luxurious box that holds all of the kit they need when they start day one on the job. So it'll be laptop, keyboard, mouse, headset, um, and then any additional promotional items. And then you have sort of your mid-range, which are more to do with brand. So things like clothing and promotional merchandise and uh, instructions on who to talk to. So there'll be QR codes printed on the inside of the box that give links directly to the IT team in case they have any problems setting up their equipment. There'll be a list of helpful phone numbers and you know things like printed literature, postcards and whatnot that just help you introduce you to your new team because there have been lots and lots of new starters that I've spoken to in the last few years who have started a job and then moved on without ever meeting anybody in person that they work with. It's all been done virtually. So we need to assist these HR managers with replacing that missing contact. A lot of that is done via online courses and things like that, but we feel that there needs to be a lot more love shown. It's it's prominent on social media every day of the week where you see people have had an onboarding pack or a well-being pack or a international women's day pack or a congratulations on your retirement or whatever it might be and whereas that used to be a case of everybody down the pub on a friday afternoon that's changed because we can't all get together and i think they've seen it as an opportunity to to communicate and share brand values and uh, and important facts so are these onboarding packs personalised to the individual that's receiving them? In some instances, yes, but not all. So personalisation has been huge for many, many years, but printers who are obviously responsible for the personalisation have done a very bad job of selling themselves and the services that they can provide, which is why 15 to 20 years ago, print management companies became prominent mainly due to the fact that they could sell the services of what the printers were doing better than the printers could themselves 
but they don't have the same knowledge as the printers. So personalization is possible for every asset. So if you had a box that contained a pen and a notebook and even a laptop, you know, we've, we've printed on laptops, we've printed on mobile phones, the equipment that we have in-house will print on any substrate. So, you know, if you wanted to really go to town on it, you could. But at the very basic level, you could receive an onboarding pack that's personalised to you with your name, job title, images that reflect your persona, um, roles. If you're working for a multinational, for example, we do onboarding packs for uh, Pepsi. So for them, they've obviously got lots of brands like Walkers, Doritos, Pipers, Tropicana, et cetera, et cetera. They could personalise their packs to the individuals in the role that they're going to take. But not everybody does. And that's an education thing because they don't know, A, they don't know it's available. And B, it's a question mark over, is it worth the extra cost? Because obviously producing 10,000 of something generic is a lot more cost effective than producing 10,000 individual items. But it's going back to the reason why they're doing it in the first place, I guess, isn't it? And tying it back into the fact that it can improve employee retention if the onboarding process is yeah, fantastic it, it's huge it's all about setting your you know making yourself different because in a job market at the moment where i guess it's quite subjective how you look at it but a lot of people lost their jobs during the pandemic but it's still a, a difficult place to recruit at the moment in terms of when you want top talent and you're bidding for that person alongside three or four other businesses it's like what makes you stand out because people don't care so much now about oh well, it's free parking it's free tea and coffee it's beers on a friday it's all these things because they just don't you know, that's not important to them what they want to know is are they going to be able to have flexible working hours are they going to be able to take time off to go and watch the nativity play that their child's in at school or whatever it might be those are the the bits that are important can they earn extra holiday because that's the bit that adds value to the employee. Over the last, well, since I've been in business, sort of 25 years, everything's so different. You know, I used to remember doing salary reviews 20 years ago, and those were the questions like, do you offer free tea and coffee? Do you offer free parking? And I, I took it all for granted because I'd only ever worked for companies where they had a car park and they had a kettle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I didn't see that as a perk. I took it for granted. People want more of a sense of belonging now, don't they, within an organisation, and therefore personalization whether you can provide that pack in person or it gets sent through through the post or via a courier it, it gives that sense of belonging a lot more than just Absolutely. receiving your laptop through the post in a cardboard box with no note definitely and and the thing is is that you like I say is prominent on social media you can see that people love it they love people love to feel loved they want to feel special and these little things that companies can do to promote that feeling of value in their employees is massive so um, what, what sort of feedback do you get I mean you said that you see it on social media are people sharing photos and comments about receiving their packs absolutely yeah so we, we've we've done a huge range of packs they're not all just hr based you know there's you know, breakfast brief impacts if they're, you know, launch days for new products and um, remote onboarding and virtual events and all these sorts of things. And, you know, a, a couple of years ago, they were quite a new thing. We, we There was a an event we did for Dell and they normally take all of their salespeople from all around the world to Las Vegas um, for like their kickoff. 
and they couldn't do it because obviously all the planes were grounded and, and it wasn't happening. So we produced a box for them and in it we did branded poker chips and playing cards and we ordered in sort of American goodies, treats and drinks and all those sorts of things and then other branded goods. And the, the feedback on social media, every time somebody received it, they shared it because it was so different and it was personalised to the event, not to the individual, which was a bit of a shame, but sometimes with these events, they don't know who's going to attend until the last minute. So uh, it can't always be possible, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, and you see, you know, people are tagging other people and it said, oh, we should be doing this. And, um, oh, isn't this great? Or I wish my company did this for me and things like that. It's, um, it's quite eye-opening really. And I think, but I do honestly think that's only been over the last, like I say, a few years. I don't think it was caused by the pandemic, but I think it was certainly uh, magnified by it. Well, I guess it was that people felt that they felt disconnected, didn't they? And therefore they needed something to connect and, and belong to together. And that, provide, that provided something tangible when we were sort of living in this really intangible world. Yeah, well, even for some of the breakfast briefing packs we did, you know, we were, we were making up boxes and again, putting branded goodies in there, but putting in, you know, tea and coffee and croissants and jams and uh, pan au chocolat and all these sorts of things so people would sit on a call over zoom and have you know how many people on the call 15 20 people on the call and they'd be chatting whilst having a drink and having something to eat i guess it just promotes thought and the fact that people are being considered because cultures changed massively in business it used to be suits and ties and all those sorts of things when i first started and you had to follow the rules whereas now everyone's just themselves and it's it's so much easier to work with people now because you kind of know who they are um, rather than there, there being sort of a mask over it that they're, a, you know, in their power suit and everything. It's like, oh, no, it's just Paul. Look, he's, he's a normal person like me. I can talk to him and have a chat. And it's nice because the barriers are down. If we look at the needs of marketing teams, stats from Smart Insights and Evergage highlight that 51% of marketers say personalization is their top priority for 2022. 88% also say the biggest driver of personalization is the ability to deliver a better customer experience. How are you helping marketing departments across the UK improve their personalization strategy? So personalization has come on leaps and bounds in probably the last 15 to 20 years. So personalization to some is still a mail merge on word. Um, so what we've tried to do is educate and, and share with people what's going on from a manufacturing point of view, you know, what is possible? Because I, I honestly still think that people just don't know. There's marketing departments, they say, oh, I wish this could be done or I wish this could be done. And guess what? It can. It just needs, they just need to be speaking to the right people. So first and foremost, it's educating our prospects and our customers on physically what can be done um, and then helping them build it into a strategy we did a project four or five years ago now um, with Ferrero and it was we put in two printers into John Lewis in Oxford Street and then we printed 70,000 um, boxes for Kinder Eggs and then they were personalized on demand at the till on the Christmas level of John Lewis so people would go in they'd pick their egg uh, pick the box they wanted give their name and long as it was on a pre-approved list of I think something like 60,000 names um, it could be printed whilst they wait and it was a huge success I mean the 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 PR around it it was all in the national press people were 
commenting on blogs saying that they were going to travel from Liverpool down to London just so they could get one of these boxes. And it was absolute madness. And it's such a it's such a big thing. But like I say, people just don't know what's possible. I, I remember sitting in that meeting at their head office in um, West London and they were saying to me, right, so what we can do is um, we'll put a laser printer in and then we'll we'll print the boxes and then they can go this. And I said, oh, no, 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 your workflow's all wrong. You can't you can't print it as a flat sheet because somebody's not going to stand there whilst you print it, then die cut it, then glue it, then build it. I said, it's just never going to happen. And the size of machine you're going to have to put in to be able to print those flat sheets would need to be SRA1. There isn't a sheet-fed digital press on the market that can do that it would have to be a litho press and obviously you're not going to put a litho press into john lewis for three months so i had to explain to them what was possible and what wasn't um the reasoning behind it was because they had in their head the workflow that they use for nutella um and i don't know if you anybody had seen them but they they would have little pop-ups in places like debenhams and things like that which is an odd place to have them anyway but um and they would just be printing on um sort of avery labels they would be kiss cut sheets They'd be pre-printed and then it would just print somebody's name on it. They'd pop it on a plain tub and then, you know, hand it to the consumer. And they just assumed it could work in the same way and it, and it, and it can't. And we've worked doing a lot of these types of projects with um, app developers, manufacturers of the, the machines that we use to personalize. We've held events and a lot of people are very interested in it, but they can't always justify the costs of the investment. But the costs are coming down year on year which is quite odd because most things are getting more expensive year on year but because the market is opening up a bit more people are using it so it's becoming more competitive so therefore people can't charge silly money for running these sorts of projects but like I say the PR off of the back of that kinder project was massive so that in itself would have cost them probably 10 times what the project cost in getting that kind of coverage. If I was to engage your team for a project poll, what would the onboarding process look like for me? So it depends on the type of project uh, that you wanted to go for. So we would have to ascertain what it is you're trying to achieve. So are you looking to um, care for existing staff? Is it you, you want to introduce a new onboarding process? Uh, for new staff or is it um, that you want to acquire new customers and and what we would do is sit down work out what you're trying to achieve and then we would plan out the best way for you to achieve it um, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward it's it's done based on a conversation we would share experiences with you on this is what we've done for customer x this is what we've done for customer y these are the results that it's yielded based on our knowledge. Obviously, we don't always know if we haven't got a direct link into our system, we don't know what the numbers always look like, but we do track social media so we can see what has worked and what hasn't from that point of view. But it's yeah, it's a, it's a basic conversation where we build a solution and it's based on if you have a budget, we build it to the budget. If you don't, again, we'll present you with a sort of gold, silver and a bronze and you can choose which one you think is gonna work. And do you get an account manager? Yeah, so just you normally start the conversation with uh, either myself or one of the senior members of the team, and then we will help you qualify your requirements. And then once the project is planned and goes into production, you would be assigned uh, an account manager and an administrator that would walk through the whole process with you. And then they would help you manage it on an ongoing basis, depending on whether it was a case of can I have 
100 of these packs delivered to our, our head office and we're going to distribute them or actually can I have 100 of these packs and the NPC are going to hold them for us and then we're going to either build a web system or put up a landing page where your customers, new starters, whoever it might be, can then put their details and we'll um, distribute them directly. Or similarly, we can do integration. So we, we do integration with uh, CRM systems such as HubSpot. It very much depends on what the needs are of the client. Um, the answer is never no. The answer is always let us find out how and then we'll provide you with a plan and a price that suits it. Because I'm being asked all the time, can you integrate with Shopify? Can you integrate with WooCommerce? Can you do this? Can you do that? And the answer is, yeah, of course I can. Because I've got the developers here that can do it. We just need to work out which parts of each system need to be linked through an API or a webhook. Um, and then based on that, we make it happen. And uh, we've got lots of successful projects that we've done huge amount of integration on uh, for print on demand, especially. Um, but yeah, no, it depends uh, on what's needed. It, you could talk to someone on a daily basis if you need to, or if you work through one of these web systems, um, you don't need to talk to anyone <laughs> unless you really want to. So what about storage of everything and knowing how much stock you have? So we offer an end-to-end -end service. So we'll offer everything from the design and the consultancy and the, and the discussion and the build of the project all the way through to the logistics management, storage and distribution. So we have a warehouse at our facility in Basingstoke that can accommodate about 220 pallets on the racks. And then we have full-time production and fulfillment staff that will manage the stock and manage the distribution. We have developed a piece of software called Swag Online. So um, obviously anybody listening can have a look at that. It's just swagonline.co.uk. And that's a, a merchandise asset management tool. It has come on leaps and bounds. So again, similarly, when we had the start of the call, you were saying about what inspired me to start my business and how has it changed since I did. This is that on steroids. So I built this software 18 months ago and it's probably six phases on to where it started. So we have in its basic model, it's stock management tool. So you can hold all of your stock on there and you can distribute it anywhere around the world. And it produces all of the paperwork. So your commercial invoices that detail your country of origin, your commercial values, your commodity codes, all of those sorts of important bits that are going to stop goods being held. Um, and then additional flavors or additions that have been made to that is that we've just developed a, a collection system on there. So if you've got a um, an event in Denmark, for example, you've sent a load of stock out to it, they've done the event and there's loads of bits left over, they can log into the system, record what needs to come back, and we'll arrange the collection and again, produce all the paperwork and, and make it as effortless as possible for the end user. Um, we've embedded uh, campaign pages into it. So if you've got a, a specific onboarding project or a breakfast briefing and you want to then send uh, invites to your customers to say, you know, would you like to attend? Please register your interest here. Um, in this system, you can have unlimited landing pages. So let's say you wanted, I don't know why you would, but you wanted 10,000 of them. You could have 10,000. They would all look different. They could all report uh, through the same system and all of the stock is managed in the back end. So as soon as you hit a minimum stock level on a certain part, it will flag it to us. We will then flag it to you and say, right, you're down to 100 pens. Would you like to order some more? And you can either say, oh, yes, please, let's have some more of those, or no, let's run the stock down. We want to introduce a different part. Um, I mean, it's definitely what if, if it's something that 
is a pain point for you or something that you just don't do and you're interested to understand what it looks like, then definitely call one of the guys for a, a demonstration because there's no obligation to obviously buy. We, we love talking about the system and everything it can do. So uh, you're welcome to have a demonstration because, you know, I could talk about it for hours and there are so many features um, and benefits to it. Um, but yeah, but it, it sounds as though it answers a lot of pain points for marketing managers managing merchandise on top of everything else especially if you're doing that for various different departments account managers you don't know how what your stock levels are you're, you're going to an event in three months time and when it when it actually arrives the stock that you thought you had isn't there that actually this system sounds as though it it sort of does it all for you and and has those automated reminders so so yeah so it can it can like i say you've opened up for, you know, I'm going to start talking about it again now, but yeah, we can have it. So um, there's different types of approval loops in the system. So you can do it with, you know, either, you know, like monopoly money, or you can do it through approval loops for your line manager. So you can have it that anybody can have anything, or you can say that I only want Paul to order pens or I only want Emma to be able to see umbrellas or whatever it might be. Or again, if you use Pepsi as an example, you've got different brand managers that own, different brands so you might say well i i'll have a system for everyone so the central marketing director can see everything but then only the walkers team can see the walkers products and only the pepsi team can see the pepsi products and you can take that to another level where you can say actually the products that we offer for pepsi in the uk are different to the products that we offer pepsi in germany or france or italy because in our experience uh, what's popular in europe isn't necessarily what's popular in the us or the middle east um, you know, and there's certain things that you can and can't move freely. Recently, shipping goods out of the UK, um, Spain won't accept any perishable or non-perishable goods. So if you've got an event in Spain and you want to send some tins of mints over with all the rest of your promotional goods, that whole consignment will be rejected. So if you leave it to the last minute, put food in there or anything like that, and then expect it to set up, you could be standing at a uh, your exhibition stand looking very very lonely with nothing really to talk about um we we recently set up a, a distribution hub in germany to combat that because not just for the fact that everybody loves mints but more to the point where um commodity charges and import duties and stuff are just spiraling out of control so it's more cost effective to split the stock holding to hold you know say 50 percent of your goods in the uk to be shipped outside what's called the Schengen region and so that would be sort of you know Norway Switzerland North America South America Middle East and you know um, the rest of the world if you like and then those countries that are in that region will all be managed out of Germany and again the stock will we will manage the stock from here so your account manager will be responsible for your stock so if the pens are running low in Germany we'll know about it and we'll tell you if the pens are low running low in the UK similarly you'll know about it and you can have direct access to that you can personalize your own dashboard because you might want to see that you might want to see what are the most popular products of the last three months you might want to see what's the average turn time for um, orders or approvals or whatever it might be it's it's such a powerful tool and one that i guess marketing departments haven't had the pleasure of um, and the difficulty is is that since the brexit decision marketing managers in the uk have got even more on their plate because they're now being asked to manage distribution and do customs paperwork and things like that and you know, unless they've been experienced in it in the past from shipping things internationally, this is going to be like, oh God, what I've got to do this for now? 
you know, it's bad enough when marketing managers are sitting there night before a big event stuffing goodie bags. Because, you know, those are the sorts of things that we want people to give us to do. You know, they'll go on to Swag Online, place an order for all the components, place an order for the bags, and then put a note in the comments section saying these will need to be fulfilled and bagged up before they're supplied to, I don't know, our next event at the NEC on Wednesday or whatever it might be. Because um, we don't want you guys to do that. You guys should be doing what you're good at and let us do what we're good at. And it's, it's all the mucky bits that nobody really wants to do that we get involved in. What three takeaways can you provide to an entrepreneur to give to their marketing and HR managers to improve candidate and customer attraction or customer or candidate retention? So <clears throat> the three main giveaways based on what we've done with our business and obviously what we've seen that's been successful in others is communication. So that's not just talking to your customers, talking to your prospects or giving the right messages on social media, it's managing your CRM, it's knowing when to do things at the right time um, and making sure that you're not over-egging the communication, but at the same time, you're not giving too much time away because it's one of those things where if you're not looking after your customer, somebody else will. Um, so communication is a big one. Um, quality over quantity, I think it's very important to look after the customers that can add the most value. It's the whole thing about the Pareto principle. If anybody looks at their customer list, they will probably see that 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their customers and it will work the same on your prospects. And I'm not suggesting for one minute that you ignore specific people because we don't as a business, we treat every single opportunity in exactly the same way. But physically when you're, you're marketing to your colleagues or your prospects or your customers, you need to make sure that what you're giving them is of value. So it's the quality. So don't just send them a notebook because everybody else sends them a notebook. You know, I would say rather than sending everyone a notebook, tear it and send your top customers a, a Bluetooth speaker or a water bottle or something that they're going to use. You don't want something that's going to end up in a drawer because otherwise there's no point doing it. You know, it's marketing is a an ongoing battle. And, you know, I can't, I think that the example is when social media sort of became more prominent when, I think Royal Mail did a tweet to say we're on Twitter and then 18 months later that was still their only tweet and it's a case of if you're going to do something do it properly or don't do it at all so quality over quantity I'm not a fan of shotgun marketing or buying lists or doing anything like that you've got to really focus go after what you know you want and not just open the doors and hope the right people are going to walk in um, and then to support that I would say stand out be different um put your head up there and say you know why why you why should people deal with you and all three of those all really uh, are all relevant to personalization in one format or another so obviously communication quality and standing out are the are the three main takeaways i would say because that's how we like to do things we like to personalize you know if you had a £5,000 marketing budget, I would say you're better off doing 50 packs at £100 than £5,000 at pound each because your return will be much greater. And then from that, you'll see that you've got a return on your investment and then you'll do it again and you'll do it again rather than the £5,000 that you spend on the, I don't know, whatever it might be, an e-shot list or something like that that you yield zero results from. And then you're going to be like, well, marketing doesn't work. And it's like, well, it does, but you're just not doing it right. Have you got anything else to add, Paul? The only thing I would say is educate yourself, I don't want to preach, but educate yourselves on what can be done or speak to as many different suppliers or 
um, service providers as you can to get a better understanding of what's out there. Because my, in my experience of working in the print industry, the they're very um, blinkered. So they will they will tell you they can produce what they can produce, even though the equipment that they own can do so much more. So I spend my life visiting different printers and finishers and different service uh, and manufacturing companies and looking at their equipment saying, oh, what does that do? And understanding it and saying, well, if it does that, then surely it can do this. And they're like, well, in principle, I suppose it can. So I build their sort of sales role for them in terms of opening up what can and can't be done. Um, but from a marketer or an HR point of view, it's it's more understanding about where is innovation, where is technology, you know, today, and also where's it going to be in six months, 12 months? You know, we, you know, yesterday we were doing packs that were going out that had all, you know, QR codes on, but they also had NFC chips in all of the print, which we were programming. So if you're familiar with... Uh, What's field an NFC chip? So, uh, NFC is near field communication. So what it is, is it's a chip that we can put inside any item that we produce. And then if you put a smartphone or device over it, it opens up your web browser to the page um, that's relevant to, you know, that device or however you've programmed it. But that, you know, you can do that for anything. You can do, um, have all your business card details on there. So for example, you could produce one business card with an NFC chip in it that's your sort of master. And then every time somebody says, oh, can I grab your details? You go, yep, hold it near their phone. They download all your details and then it's job done. So you haven't got to, print yeah i'm doing this doing this out of print work here but you don't have to print 250 business cards every six months um if you don't want to you know that everybody's interested in what they can do to reduce um costs and reduce you know carbon footprint and everything like that. and there's there's tons of things i mean like i say check us out uh have a look at swag online have a look at the mpc.co.uk and the packaging experts.co.uk because that will show you uh, what the three businesses do but what they all do um together is uh you know innovate and look at what can be done differently and we will look at your challenges and your business and where your pain points are and we'll help build a profile of what can be done to fix it and that doesn't necessarily mean that we end up doing the work and just use me as a sounding board and say look paul these are the problems i've got how would you handle it and i'll just tell you and i'll just say look if i was in your position using my experience i would do this and then you can then take that and then either run with it or take it talk to a few other people and say he suggested this what do you think and just get as much input as you can um and then if we end up working together fantastic but if we don't then at least i'll be you know pleased in the knowledge that hopefully you've gone off with uh, a bit more information than you started with and you'll be in a better position to make the changes in your business that are going to help you be successful well thanks so much today for your insight paul pleasure thank you very much thank you